Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, he is now the reigning Olympic champion in the 200-meter breaststroke. Coming to us from Australia, we're sitting down with Zach Stubbledy-Cook. Thanks for having me. to talk to you um i have to start with with i see you're you're having your morning coffee it's about 8 a.m there uh yeah every time are you having is that coffee that you're that you're sipping on every time i talk to australians they're like yeah coffee's better here (laughs) we uh (laughs) we uh we do it better (laughs) yeah i think um i I wouldn't say this is better than maybe a barista coffee but it's still not too bad um I've been I've been traveling with like a lot of coffee gear and a lot of coffee. I think I've traveled with about eight or nine different coffees as well. I'm a bit of a coffee snob, so I didn't want to risk getting to Tokyo and like being a bit being a bit uh, foul tasting in the mouth coffee. I just wanted to keep it keep it consistent. Um, yeah, so <laughs> that's I love I love it. I I feel like I could talk to you about that. We could I I could do a whole podcast on that. What what are you snobby about? What 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 kind of coffee do you like to have, especially when you're traveling for a big meet like the Olympics? Um, my go-to coffee is like a black filter coffee. So yeah, a lot of Americans would know exactly what that is. Um, I'm more of a pour over guy, so I won't put it in the percolator. I'll just um, do it manually. So I have my kettle here. I have a grind, like a hand grinder and a set of scales. Um, and I'm pretty pretty snobby I guess about the accuracy of it all like it needs to be 20 grams in 300 grams out in terms of coffee into water and needs to be a certain time and a certain range just to get the most out of the coffee but I'm a big fan of not necessarily traditional flavors of coffee um I really like exploring where people are finding their limits in coffee so for example or I'm out of it now but I had my finals coffee if you want which was like a cinnamon process so when coffee is fermented, they take like a, the cher- coffee is actually a cherry, and they take the seed out of the coffee. Um, for everyone that doesn't know, and you can you can change the coffee's flavor profile by changing that fermentation process and the wash process of how to get that cherry off. Um, so there's a few people experimenting with like a cinnamon process, um, which basically to put it bluntly and put it really simply it tasted like a cinnamon donut like that's what the coffee tasted like and like people go oh yeah but it still tasted like coffee it was like no it was like a tea that was made of like a cinnamon donut <laughs> and that was like yeah that was my finals coffee that I was traveling with it's yeah there was only like I'd have it not before a heat but only a final so that was the semi and all the finals of the relays and yeah so but I'm out of it now so <laughs> it was a pretty like very small batch like there was only probably about 20 kilos produced this year um so it was like a really small batch coffee globally um and i only got 180 grams of it so and i i actually vacuum pack and freeze it and uh, if, if if people are listening to audio I'm, i apologize but 
if anyone's watching, like I'll vacuum pack all my coffees like this. So that'll be dosed out at 20 grams, ready to go, ready to throw in a grinder. And so the 180 grams was stretched out like that. Um, and yeah, I just, I just enjoyed having something special, having something that kind of like part, like drew a line in the sand and made it, made it special to, uh, to race again. <laughs> Man, I, I did not expect this coming, and I, I'm guessing our listeners didn't either, but what a treat to, uh, to <laughs> w- w- what what prompted this um, th- this coffee interest for you? I mean, you're you're 22, is that right? Yeah, 22. I, I guess the coffee interest started out of necessity. Finishing high school was always like, you kind of, I think a lot of people learn to love coffee or learn to deal with coffee learn to function with coffee around that age i think for me that's where it was and i'm a person that then like i'd say anyone that knows me knows i'm obsessive (laughs) i guess like and once i like start something it's down a rabbit hole from there and what what do you like so much i mean i i okay you're obsessive what do you like so much about the process of coffee itself I think it is the process in general. Like, like it's the same. I, I love making bread, but it's like it's a twenty-four to thirty-six hour process. So it's like trying to nail that constantly. And like that's yeah, people that know me, it's like that's in all walks of life. So from coffee, it's like hand grinding it and going through that process of hand grinding and then weighing all the beans out. And at home, I'll have a I have a kettle that's like a temperature variable kettle. So playing with the temperatures of different coffees and all that kind of stuff and then you know even now like I've just ordered new different a different filter system so I'll be playing around with different like paper even um our water's pretty good in Australia but some people even play around with water hardness so how many how many how much what the mineral content is of the water and how they can do all that so it's all about the process I think in like finding that edge of how I can get the best cup possible if you will and it's the same with bread and it's the same with swimming like that's me <laughs> I want to come spend a day with Zach's Double Cook and just make coffee <laughs> that that's more sounds... than welcome next time you're in Australia or next time I'm in America <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a date uh so we'll we'll, we'll get to the swimming um so, so headed into Tokyo, you were two oh six three at trials. Was that right? So yeah, two oh six two eight. Two oh six and was wrong. Uh, I was wrong. Two two oh six two eight. Um, in the tuna breast, heading into trials, you were swimming the hundred and the two hundred individually. Um, coming off of trials, how were you? How are you feeling about that? Those performances. I mean, the hundred. I wanted it faster. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think I was capable of faster and I think in that on that day I just raced um, because I knew that they'd take the top spot for a relay and most likely a second um, in the 100 because that's basically Australian qualification. They take top two in the form stroke hundreds um, most of the time. Um, but so I knew that if I got first or second, it would take a lot of pressure off the 200 breaststroke and that would come later in that week. And I was pretty excited to race the hundred breast and yeah, I, I didn't, 
get everything I wanted out of it. And I think now I've proved myself after swimming quite a few relays and experimenting a bit how to swim it and having a few mistakes and building on it in each race and having opportunity at the Olympics to, to do that. I was very lucky. Um, but the 200 breast, then I was like, I was excited and I was, it, it, I was, I was ready to go. I think like for me, I knew I was fit, like swimming at 207.0 only a couple of weeks beforehand and not really being rested, like still being, you know, still being in heavy training and like that really excited me. Like I kind of proved to myself that I could stand up and get going and swim a solid back end and then with with a bit of rest, the front end would come a bit better. Um, So yeah, like that's where I was at after uh, before and going into trials and after trials I was like holy like that was very fast and I'm excited to race now like I just want to get the best out of myself like I think there's a few things in the 200 that I thought you know I could tweak a bit better and could could definitely improve on um and yeah so that's where I was at with that after trials and we definitely worked on those things like skills and starts and turns which are still not not too great but getting there like especially the start the start's been a bit of a project for the last couple of years and it like believe it or not for anyone that watched me race they were actually like some of my fastest starts at the olympics so yeah um and i was excited to race at the olympics like i was just so happy to have the opportunity to even race um you know i think a lot of people especially australians would agree that we're just lucky to have the olympics on like i think we're still dealing with covid and we're currently or basically most of australia is locked down um we're still facing hard lockdowns and sydney is doing it pretty tough at the moment so yeah i mean i was excited just to be there and have the opportunity but yeah, it was a bit of a whirlwind for five weeks, especially having to get out of Brisbane so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> were, were you were you part of the group that had to had to had to escape uh, at one point? So, I think every single person on the team at some point had to escape wherever they were. So, for example. Um, we had one week at home. So everyone everyone on the team, our trials were in Adelaide, so that's South Australia, um, and our staging camp was in Cairns. So everyone on the team had to get out of their home state and be in Queensland in case any border closures were going to happen before, I think it was the Monday after trials. Um, so they had three days. Um, and a lot of people went to Townsville, and quite a few people came to Brisbane. So Matt Wilson came to Brisbane and Seabom Lee came to Brisbane. Um, and everyone was kind of training out of Chandler and we had a week there. And then Monday morning we came in and I had a meeting with the coach and that that was when we had a couple of COVID cases over the weekend. And he was like, oh, like if we have any more, I think we'll either lock down or, and stay here and buckle down here or, or we'll, um, yeah, or we'll end up disappearing pretty quickly. Like, and all like all the people that I was training with at that time, so Jack McLaughlin and Leah Neal, both we both all like kind of came in that morning and said, "I reckon we'll be gone by Wednesday." 
And then I got a call at 1, 1 p.m. that day and said, oh, there's a seven o'clock flight. Do you want to be on it? <laughs> and I was like, uh, hang on. I just got to call Vince, see whether we're actually still training. And he, at that stage, no one had spoken to him. So he was like, yeah, we're still training. And I was like, yeah, I'd like to get on that flight. But like, if we're still training, like I've got an hour. And then we ended up canning training and stuff. But we had four about four hours notice to get to the airport for a seven week trip which was an experience in itself, but uh, yeah. So, and then like, you know, there was a Townsville group that had to get out pretty quickly as well and isolate for a couple of days because they were on in an exposure site and stuff. So everyone's kind of been on the run. It almost feels like for the last couple of weeks and but we all got there in the end. Four hours for seven weeks. Uh, did I, so <laughs> that sounds, <laughs> like that sounds so hectic um looking back on that did you did you pack everything you needed or or were there some pretty gaping holes of like well forgot this and in the two hours i had to pack i mean not really to be fair like thank god for my girlfriend she had the day off work that day and she i was just like here's a list this is what i need to pack i think and she just kind of like put it in my suitcase. So by the time I got to Cairns, like I was like, I got no idea where anything is. Like it's all kind of just packed and I'm hoping it's there. And then I was lucky that my dad lives in Cairns and like once the bubble closed for us, um, I was actually able to like still um, get stuff from him and anything that I forgot, like coffee mugs and those kind of things, he was able to go collect for me and get for me and you know, those kind of things. So that was pretty good that I had someone there and had a bit of an opportunity to do that. So I didn't forget too much. I remember my pillow, race suits, goggles and all those kind of things. Um, probably like, I probably did in hindsight bring too much coffee. Um, I think the only other thing is like, I probably, yeah. You know, I, I wasn't sure whether I was doing ISL at that point either, like coming straight off the back. I hadn't fully decided whether I was doing round one yet. Um, so, yeah, I was also kind of like, oh, maybe I just need to pack a little bit extra as well. So I sent, ended up sending a suitcase home and somehow ended up with another three full of stuff. But, you know, that's what happens. I, I From what I hear, that's how the Olympics work. <laughs> you come with... Yeah, two, and you end with five. Uh, yeah. are, are, you, are you doing ISL? Have you decided yet? Yeah, so I signed with Tokyo, um, and I'll be joining them in the semifinals, and then hopefully to get them to the finals and race in the finals, and then um, not sure after that. But if anyone, I may see what's going on at the end of the year with quarantine and et cetera, and whether that it fits for me to train overseas for a little bit. Um, and see see where that lands as well so if anyone wants to wants me to come train or has a, has a spot at the end of the year after ISL in Japan or um, probably the US as well hit me up alright there you go people Zach's doubly cook he's, uh, he's looking for a spot so uh, we'll, we'll link his Instagram in the, in the description of this video you can message him uh, and say hey come train with me uh, <laughs> so you leave for the seven week trip, seven week Olympic trip. Um, it starts with training camp. Yep. 
So we start with a three-week block in... Well, it was meant to be two-week block in Cairns and then about a week in Tokyo before the week uh, before the meet started. So I think we got there five and a half days before the Olympics started because of the night heats, um, which is a whole other thing to wrap my head around, but still haven't wrapped my head around. <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, we had a three-week training block, which was really great to... Like, I actually really enjoy them. Like, I know a lot of people say, oh, it sucks being away and it sucks being away from family and friends and it's a lot easier to be at home, yeah. But I think it does condone a much higher performance training environment. Like, you know, like you look at the UFC and like they have a 12-week training camp beforehand. Like they're training during the year, but like they'll knuckle down away from everything for 12 weeks. Like, you know, that's looks like a fairly decent model you know um and like i think a three-week training camp is about the sweet spot i think beyond that you kind of get mentally fatigued um so three weeks was good and great to see everyone and have such a tight-knit group and the hotel in cairns and everything looked after us so well and the pool and facilities are unbelievable and like it's much warmer than it was in brizzy so i was pretty stoked about that was uh was the team was there was there a palpable energy i mean i'm I'm assuming with every olympic team you know there's excitement um but especially with with how trials went and with this new format for the aussies of having trials six weeks out from the games um was was there a noticeable you know energy Were, were people excited were people feeling ready to to live up to those you know those performances that you guys had thrown down um at trials um i think there was just an unspoken confidence um confidence but not complacency that's how i like been reflecting a bit and i think that was definitely a theme and definitely like a feeling um everyone was still really hungry you know like i think having lockdowns and having not being able to get in the water last year definitely gave people a bit more perspective of what the sport meant to them. And definitely personally, like I felt that and I felt that like I was a lot more relaxed and a lot more hungry around the pool. Like I wasn't complaining, you know, too much around the pool about training and how tired I was. It was more like, you know, I'm actually enjoying this. I'm actually enjoying the opportunity that I have at the moment. And, um, that was definitely the feeling going into cans. Like, and, you know, we hadn't seen each other in so long. Like, we hadn't assembled as a team in two years. So, it, it was also quite exciting in that regard. Um, you know, like, having a team and having such a tight-knit group happens because of the progression and because you see each other grow and you see each other change and you see how hard and you, each other work and you see that you all share the same dream. So, you know, to represent your country. So yeah that's that's pretty special and I think that's what the feeling was going into Cairns like there was obviously quite a few amazing swims like Kayla with the world record Emma with some of the fastest times ever you know um and Mitch swimming like in March swimming some of the fastest times in the world in the 200 back and the 200 I am like unbelievable um you know at that age and after his third Olympics and Cam making his third Olympics, Bronte making her third Olympics. Like 
it's very special and very humbling to be on teams with people that are like like that like I was just like oh man I'm just stoked to make one like let alone guys like and people like Kate and MC but I'm like they're fourth it's like what what I can't wrap my head around it. Like, I was nine when Kate and c were first on the team. Like, <laughs> I was like, I said to, I was sitting next to c at our team orientation. I was like, the fact that I was nine years old when you made your first Olympics, does that make you feel old? And she's like, piss off. Like, <laughs> I was like, yeah. So, and it was funny because like a few people were like five. So I think Tommy, oh, I think, yeah, no two people on the team so Molly Molly and Isaac Cooper were both yeah they were both five years old when Kate and M first made that first team it's crazy that's pretty pretty crazy Uh, and I mean but yeah again like you said kind of goes to show you the legacy the the history um, and I'm guessing kind of kind of that energy that quiet confidence of, of team Australia coming into this games. Uh, I mean, it was, it, it was certainly cool to see you as a, as a continent perform, but you, you, I digress. You get to the games. Um, tell me, tell me about adjusting to what's the time difference for you from Sydney to Tokyo. Only, only one hour. Um, yeah. So we only have an hour difference. That's so an hour behind. So it's pretty easy for us. It's basically like crossing the border during summer <laughs> in Australia. So it's not too bad. Um, I guess the feelings I was feeling was I was quite overwhelmed. I'm not going to lie. Like seeing the village, seeing like all the banners, like the Team USA, Team GB, the Japan team. And then you see like all the country's flags and you see like the rings and you see like, you know, this basically mini city set up for like sport and you're just like wow this is like real <laughs> like you know you get told about the buzz but like you don't realize how much of a buzz there is and I think I was lucky enough to room with like Mac Horton who definitely provided a very level head um and very solid point of view for it all and he was really always supportive and always like happy to chat about how how I was feeling and what it was like and you know he also provided a lot of normality because I've I've known him a couple of years now and become quite good friends with him and so it was quite good in that regard that I've had a bit of normality with him and yeah I think I was pretty excited by all that and I think getting to the pool for the first time was probably when it was like wow this is very special and seeing the pool dressed up and seeing all the the rings and how much polish there was on that pool like not like polish polish but like in terms of like people at home would probably can probably relate like there's pools that are like finished but like they're not maintained like that's that's what I'm kind of talking about but like this pool obviously is brand new so it's a little different but it was like everything was thought of like you know like the internal temperature of the whole pool was the same. Like the ambient air temperature was all 24 degrees. It was like same in warm up pools as it was out there. And like, you know, even like, like a double drain as well. Like just like everything was thought over. So like if there was a big freestyler doing like 
being dragged in and the wake was pushing over it would not come all the way across it would like hit the first drain and then if it overflowed it hit the second drain and just like little things like that and the flags being actually like in the water before the drain as well was like was like oh that's actually like a really good idea and like just like little design things like that that made you realize like know that you know everything was thought of and it was like okay um that was the feeling I got and but I was I had to come down pretty quick from all that excitement like I needed to focus on racing um and getting the best out of myself so that was the always the focus there and I think yeah I think I got the best out of myself <laughs> you that's that's an interesting point you had um in 17 you went to world junior championships 18 you were at pan packs 19 you were at world champs were at any of those bigger international meets did did you did that awe factor get the best of you at any point uh commonwealth games so yeah so which was in between world juniors and pan packs so that was probably like a turning point in my career so i came in as like a 210 flat swimmer basically from world juniors i'd swum 210 about like six or seven times i was more than ready and more than capable of breaking 210 at commonwealth games but and i proved like i thought maybe like even up until this year i was like oh, maybe this pool's cursed like maybe it just doesn't like me like a bit superstitious about it and was like but then I swam a 208, like two at the pool earlier this year and a 59.8. So I was like, oh, maybe it's not. <laughs> but um, yeah, Commonwealth Games, like I can still remember like being really nervous and really wanting it in my heart um, to make the final and see what I was capable of at that meet. And I think, yeah, I looked up to the stands left and right and had a bit of a oh my god holy shit moment and then was just so mentally fatigued in that race that I just didn't connect with the water and didn't do what I was capable of um yeah it was it, that was a very tough point because you know I was only there for the two breasts and it was the first day in the first session so I got to the pool too early was thinking too much and went like I think I went two fourteen eight or two fifteen one. Like I kind of blacked out what the time was, but like I was twelfth. I was like not in it at all and it really sucked because, you know, I think Pampax proved to me that I was more than capable of swimming like a seven. <laughs> like I was it was only like three months later, so yeah, like it proved to me I was more than capable of swimming fast and swimming well um it was just about kind of getting out of my own head and sorting a few mental health issues out during that period like that was a dark period in my life like I think it caused a lot of self-doubt because I didn't know whether like I was capable of swimming <laughs> you know that was like the low point but because of that forced me to work with the psych outside of the pool and forced me to have my routines and have my mental health like plan and have like like my seeds as me and my psych talk talk about it's like your social your exercise your educational 
your diet and your sleep like making sure that's all ticked and definitely like I'm very grateful now for that experience looking back and especially over the last week like I think that honestly is the biggest change I made um, for myself um, and the biggest benefit has been probably from that like don't get me wrong the training's definitely upped the training's definitely progressed from 2016 and 2017 and 18 but it's definitely yeah where it's at you know like that was it was 90% mental last week and I'm so grateful to have that experience now even though looking back I questioned whether I wanted to keep swimming (laughs) um you know uh yeah like I can still remember the set like I was swimming on a Tuesday afternoon, like two weeks after Commonwealth Games, and we we're about to head off again to Japan to race the Japanese Open. And I just didn't want to be there. Like I, like my mind was just like, I want to do anything right now to get out of this pool. Like it was just like, and I didn't come back for a week. I was just like, I just can't. Like right now, I just need a minute, and I just need a moment to just see where I was at and yeah I think getting help and getting help from a almost I I kind of sought out an external provider an external person from the sport to give me a bit of perspective and give me kind of what I needed to hear of you know it is just swimming and you're a person before you're an athlete and we're just pursuing a dream but that dream is probably a extension of our values and yeah I hope that kind of explains what that was like and that progression because that was probably the last time I felt that moment and this was the first time again that I'd felt that moment but kind of knew how to deal with it (laughs) yeah I I think that makes a lot of sense I'm curious um do you feel like that moment came on because that was a transitional period from from being more of a junior swimmer to to getting up on that big senior international stage yeah absolutely and I definitely thought more of it than necessarily like it needed to be uh, you know like Commonwealth Games for us is like one of our most watched events here in Australia like because everyone kind of knows it's happening and everyone knows what it is and it's a multi-sport event but looking back now it's kind of like Olympics Worlds Handpacks Commonwealth Games <laughs> like those are the kind of levels of like what I feel the pressure's like now and um yeah so I think it's kind of nice being able to look back at that of like what kind of like the level is at and like kind of being able to enjoy myself a bit more I think um which I think hopefully help me swim a bit faster and help me swim well over the next few years like it's that confidence and that's that knowing in yourself that you can kind of do it um that self-belief has definitely had a bit of a boost over last week uh it it obviously played out in the pool um so so going back heading heading back to tokyo um what you talked about your seeds that you had you know the the five things you kind of tick the boxes and make sure that those things are in order um so when you're at the meet when you're again you talked about refocusing and kind of, okay, got to block out the off factor and get mentally 
um, in the zone. Are there specific things you did to kind of flip that switch? Um, Stuff that I've been practicing since probably like, I want to say like mid last year, nothing new was added probably from mid last year. So basically kind of when we got back, so we had a couple of meets at the end of last year domestically and it was good to be able to practice those things. So things like staying in the present um, was probably the number one and then having time to just, as, as my psych and I call it, like a bit of worry time um, where we just, you just write down wh- where your mind's at, you know, like everything that you think you're worried about and often it just takes a bit of the power away those kind of things and are definitely really helpful and um, then kind of having a strategy of and going in with the mentality it looks and feels different but it is the same like at the end of the day it's a 50 meter pool it's roughly the same water temperature as at home yeah there's cameras all around you but you know you're there to swim you're there to swim for like I was there to swim four laps of what I hopefully consider one of my best races and you know I think that's what I went in with and that's what I kind of am going to continue to go in with the the process mindset of progressing through each round and progressing through the race and I think yeah that's how I'd sum, sum it up you know going in with a mentality of it looks and feels different but it's the same and to follow the same process as middle of last year whether that was at a state championships or a national championships or a trial meet or the olympics like at the end of the day it is the same and i'm probably lucky in a sense that i kind of proved that to myself at like new south wales open and the trials and and the our national meet um yeah, I kind of like was lucky that it kind of progressed and proved to myself that the process works and I can keep doing it to keep getting the best out of myself, both mentally and physically. Um, you know, I think I'm, uh, as, as we kind of started with, I'm a very process orientated person that needs kind of a bit of structure and a bit of rigidity around that. So yeah. So, so let's, okay. I've, I've, I've delved into all the details into the nitty gritty. Let's talk swimming. You swim the hundred breast, uh, double O O. What'd you think about that first? You, you got, you, you get the first swim out. How'd you feel about that one? Um, I think I had to kind of reassess where I was at mentally. I was like, Oh, that's not where I thought I would be. Um, I thought I would be a little bit quicker and I thought, you know, like, I was like, oh, I know I'm better than that. And, you know, like, I was... The positive was that it was just because I wasn't out very quick. Um, I was out very slow, um, but came back in one of my faster back ends. So, yeah, I knew that I was fit and I was capable and I was swimming well. Um, and I had to keep kind of reminding myself of that. And that's probably... Because of that swim, I was probably most nervous before the heat of the turn breast um, of like, okay, like I've got to get through this round first and then the next round and then the next round. But yeah, the first round was probably the most nerve wracking because it's like you have that little bit of doubt 
after swimming not quite where you thought you were capable of swimming in that event. Um, so yeah, does that, does that kind of answer that? You know, like that's where I was at mentally, like three days before the two breasts. Yeah. And, and so then, um, at, over the course of the meet, obviously you swim prelims of the hundred at night. Um, you know, you'd mentioned that adjustment of night heats, morning finals. Um, how, how did, how did you handle that? How did you try to get your body uh, accustomed and ready to swim heats at night finals and morning? I think I haven't had too much of an issue with it. The only like adjustment I've really made is like the, you actually get more recovery, believe it or not. Like if you actually like add it up, you get, you actually get more recovery and you get a better sleep as well. Like you're not having that like kind of weird broken sleep where you're kind of like closing your eyes and seeing the pool. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think the only thing that I changed was waking up a little bit earlier, but even then, like it wasn't, wasn't rigid about four hours before. It was more like, okay, I can get like nine or 10 hours in tonight and still wake up like three hours before my event Um, and ensuring I have enough time to do the things that keep me kind of level in the morning as well was was a big factor and like making coffee and ensuring I've like you know had had enough to eat and those kind of things definitely definitely was a big consideration um but the night finals was also about like I knew it was going to be faster like I knew going in it would be a lot tighter from the heat to the final uh, to the semis and like you know like the 400 free probably was like one of the biggest highlights of that because it was like there was nothing literally nothing over 400 meters there was nothing in it you just like every any other year there was like there'd be like two to three seconds between first and eighth from a morning and you know there was like i think it was like one and a half seconds it's just like the margins all tightened down and i knew that going in um and i knew that i was lucky that arno was going to be swimming next to me in the heat um and I knew he he's he always swims a fast heat like he doesn't he doesn't chill <laughs> put it that way he loves he loves a fast heat like the hundred breast he was like faster in both his heat and his semi and he was in the final um so you know like for uh, for him to be in that race like I was pretty lucky that I knew he was going to go maybe seven mid to eight high uh, eight low. If I'm honest, I thought it would be a little bit faster into the semi and into the final, um, considering there was two hundred six, two hundred six swimmers, like in the competition, like between Chukov, Arno, Shoma, Wilson, myself, and is there one other? I feel like I'm forgetting someone. Um, I I I think the other two hundred six is a Japanese is. Um... What an Abe didn't make it, yeah. Yeah, what an Abe didn't make it. Yeah, he's it. Yeah, he'd be the other six, two eight six in the world. Yeah, two eight six. I think two eight. I think his hit was his best. So, oh no, six four was the world record. Um. Yeah. So that was yeah. That's another tough, very tough to watch that. But yeah. So I thought it would be a touch faster. I thought it would be maybe like seven mid to make the final um so I was kind of like 
having that expectation that I'd have to swim three or uh, two two oh sevens to make it through. Um, so having that expectation definitely helped going in. Yeah, it, it. I mean, it seems like it. You were you were first out of you tied for with Arno for first out of prelims two oh seven three. Again in semis, you were two oh seven three and first by over half a second. Um, and so so final rolls around. Were you comfortable in that top seed position? I didn't really think about it because I, I think like if I kind of thought about it, I would have got caught up in it. Um, I was very happy to get the second when we tied. I was very happy that I'm pretty sure now, like I think it's safe to say that I'm pretty sure it goes off seeding. So if you tie, it goes off your seed time of where you get your placing. So Jack and Elijah tied and Jack's, I think Jack's time was faster seed than Elijah's. So he got fourth and he, Elijah got fifth or something like that um, or vice versa. Um, and I was very happy to get the semi, second semi-final, but at the same time, like I knew that like everyone in the second semi-final was a back-end swimmer and everyone in the first semi-final was a front-end swimmer. So I was like, this is going to be interesting because I feel like the second, like no one's going to be pushing on that second hundred in the first semi-final, but if this second semi-final doesn't go out fast enough, we'll get... Yeah, we'll, we'll like pay for it so you know I definitely went in to that semi-final with the mentality of okay like this is the process I've swum a 207 3 7 and in the heat and this is the way I swam it and like we kind of like reassessed it we go okay well you can do XYZ to be a little bit faster and this is what you did at trials etc etc so we kind of went back and reassessed of like what needed to be done. And it was, again, process orientated and that's what it was all about. And I was excited after the semi and excited for what I think I had to offer. And I knew I had a bit more to give after the semi. So, yeah. Did you know you had a 206 in you? I mean, I know you said you had a bit more to give. Uh, did, 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 I mean, did you... Th- were you thinking like, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can, you know, be right on my best. Yeah. I, I thought a hundred percent. I thought I could be on my best. I thought maybe even a little bit quicker, but maybe we're saving that swim for a, for a world champs or a Commonwealth games. Um, yeah, I think like it wasn't a PB, like I would have loved a PB, but, um, you know, I think I was just happy because it was a race and, Looking back, I only, I've only, like, I think yesterday or the day before last was, like, the first time I'd actually watched it. Um, I've, like, had a few interviews where they've, like, played it and, like, the last, like, just the last 25, I'm like, oh, man, that makes me so nervous now watching it. I'm like, I was, I was so far behind. <laughs> um, so, yeah, like, that, that's, that's where I was at and I wasn't really thinking about where I was at, like, placing going in. It was more like the process and knowing I could build a bit more through each 50 and the 206 I think I knew was there but it was about executing and not necessarily thinking about the time but thinking about okay I've got to be swimming fast with length off the first two laps and building through each lap and then turning and just bringing it home and seeing what 
giving everything I've got and making sure I'm still relaxed and not too excited and not too rushed through the first two strokes off that wall and just building through each lap. So that was the focus and that was the emphasis. I, it makes sense that you'd be nervous at the 175 meter mark that, I mean, that watching it, looking at the times of the race, you're like, Oh, doesn't seem like it was very close. And, but then you watch the race and you're like, Oh my God, like at the 175, it's like there were, you know, five guys or whatever, like all right there. And then you just took off. Uh, it, it was again, you, you talked about the process, um and, and and what you wanted to do each 50 but were you aware of where you were at at the 175 during the race i i couldn't see the other side of arno and i couldn't see the other side of Wilby. so that's those are the only two people i could see so i knew at 150 they would be probably in the top four like you know they would be first second or third fourth or you know i knew they would be in that range um and I knew I kind of had to be close because um, I knew that I probably had more last 50 speed than a lot of them and I knew that I was capable of bringing it home and I had to definitely trust myself and trust the plan. Um, yeah, I think I wasn't really aware. I think in the last 10, I kind of thought I'm in front here and this feels weird and but I, I didn't know whether I was because uh, uh, like Chukov was in lane one so I, I kind of thought oh, like I'm not sure where he is and I'm not sure if he's going to absolutely turn and burn because he's been you know he's been back in the fastest last 50 ever like in the last fast fastest last 100 ever like he's been back in I think 103.8 don't quote me on that, but I know he's been back in 31.8 on the last 50. So for anyone that doesn't know, like really niche specifics like that of breaststroke, like that's faster than a lot of people come back in a hundred breasts. Just like put it in perspective, like, yeah, like PD and the top guys come back in 30 points, but your average like age group, hundred breaststroker is trying to break 32 coming home to go 61. Like that's, that's the kind of speed he's swimming after three laps and three laps at 30 point or 29 to 32 to 32 and then 31.8. It's like, it's mind boggling and it's, it's pretty inspirational and pretty like, I want to be able to do that. <laughs> um, yeah. So I knew that he was going to be on the outside and swimming fast and yeah, I, I, I didn't know what was, what was happening during the race. And it was just about, yeah, executing the process and turning around and seeing a one next to your name is, oh, I, did, I didn't know how to feel. I was like, is this real? Like I'm about to wake up. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, obviously that's the, I guess that's the goal of the process, but yeah, I'm sure it feels surreal. Um, can you describe how, what, what your team's reaction was and, and kind of the next 24 hours of, of interacting with your teammates after winning a gold medal at the Olympics? Yeah, it's pretty special. Um, very, very special. I think touching that wall, like there's just a big sense of big release of confidence and big, yeah, I guess that's, that was probably like the biggest thing and 
then seeing the teammates up in the stands all going crazy and like then seeing people and going oh I always thought you could do that and like it's nice to hear that and nice to hear that belief and then getting back you kind of like you go through a lot of media (laughs) and everyone kind of wants a piece of you and which is not a bad thing you kind of got to capitalize a bit on that after you win you know um at the end of the day that's how you're going to get your name out there um but yeah for anyone listening like you go through probably 150 200 meters of media like walking and then then you have like an opportunity to swim down before the medal presentation um and like that moment when i kind of got back and saw everyone was pretty special like everyone clapping and cheering and giving my coach a hug who was crying like and anyone that knows Vince Rally, he's not a cry. Like I've I've trained with him for five years and I've seen him cry twice. He's not an emotional guy. Um, if if you've ever met him, he's he comes off dry, but he's a very very caring and loving person. That that's the way he shows care and love. You know, he is a person that absolutely strives himself on doing everything he can for the athlete and cares about the person as well as the athlete and that's something special in in him and something that I respect and now kind of realise a bit more having a bit of time to reflect and yeah so that is a very special moment and then you kind of swim down and you have a drug tester following you typically as well <laughs> um, and then yeah then you kind of go to medal presentation and for me, that's where it hit me. Like, I think when I stood up on the podium and the team's in the stands cheering and you can see the flag going up and the national anthem playing, like, I can still, like, it's so vivid. It's such, like, a powerful memory and something that felt surreal, but, like, something that I thought, honestly, that I was capable of doing, but I'd kind of come to terms with that if I didn't achieve it, I'd be still happy. I'd be still like happy with where I'm at and happy with my performances because I was just swimming as my own person. I think that's for me was pretty important going in and what I've learned over the last year. I was swimming for the person I am and for the values I have. Um, and I'd kind of accepted that if, no, if the if the performance didn't transpire, I'd still be happy that I was an Olympian. You know, I'd represented my country at the highest level, but that's what was kind of going through my mind on the podium of like, this is real, and like, then coming home and like I hadn't opened any messages until I got here, and seeing some of the messages is very special, and seeing people just messaging saying you inspired me, and those kind of things is is extremely humbling and extremely special um that's that's for me what it meant and what it still means you know like I'm even getting emotional talking about it now you know it's it's special and like I can't even describe like what it was like but you know I got back and I knew I had a relay that night too so I kind of had to um get on with it pretty quick and kind of ride that high a bit for that day um, and know that the next day I had a, a good 24-hour rest um, and that would be the time that I could take a bit more of it in and 
and and then when I got here in quarantine um, for any US people we're we're in quarantine at the moment so we're in Darwin um, for two weeks and everyone in Australia is still locked down so lucky the Olympics are on because yeah everyone's kind of watching back at home which is nice Um, yeah so this is the time where I've kind of actually had time to reflect and time to kind of know what it means to me and yeah so that's where I'm at with that you know like that's how how I was feeling but yeah it was it was a a bit of a get on with it too because I had the relays as well and knew that I'd have the time here to to feel the feels and feel the emotion yeah yeah I was so I, I think this is a great place to kind of wrap things up and um, obviously, like you said, you're in quarantine now. And, um, I think talking to Olympians in, in the U S <clears throat> just throughout the years, you know, you hear about this Olympic come down and I'm guessing that happens, you know, within a matter of, of days and weeks and even months, not, not, maybe not so much immediately. Um, but it, it I would think it's a very interesting experience to come off of an Olympic games, you know, you're with the team, you're on such a big high and then to go into quarantine for two weeks. Um, do I mean, do you, obviously you don't have control over it. Um, but are, 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 are you cherishing this time? Is, is it nice to, to come down off of such, such a, such a big high into, into such an, such an opposite environment yeah it's like the highest high to like being kind of stuck with your own thoughts and i think it's like it's it's positive um i think i was i was a little worried that we we're going to be stuck in a hotel room but we're lucky here we've got a bit of fresh air and we've got time to sit out on the balcony with with the people around us and um like the people I'm rooming around. So each cabin has like a pot of four. So I've got like a few teammates around. So it's, it's, that's, that's really good and really positive that it's not like complete cold Turkey in a hotel room. Um, yeah. So I think it's, it's, it's almost a blessing in disguise. Cause you, as you said, like you talk about Olympic come down, right. You know, and it is real cause the Olympic buzz is real. Like everyone, like, you know, everyone can relate and people who will be like, listening and be like you know oh yeah the olympic come down it's 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 in the in the buzz you know but like it is real like you, you get to the village and you see not just swimming and not just like aquatic sports like a world championships in the village you see like everyone from all sports around the country that you like you, you only dream of seeing you know like for us like we see the basketballers and we see the tennis players like people that we idolize back at home and and people that are like quite high profile wearing the same uniform sharing the same dream and like to me that's that's very special and that that's where the buzz came from and not and not just like having your own country like seeing that everywhere you know seeing that in the US camp and seeing that in the GB camp seeing that everywhere and you know that that's what the buzz was and like if there is a come down and like I've definitely felt a wave of all different emotions and all different feelings over the last few days. And I think quarantine's almost a blessing in disguise in that way because it's kind of expedited the process of the come down. And I think it'll be nice to come home 
and still feel all the emotions and still get a bit wrapped up in all that and by friends and family. But yeah, I think the come down here is kind of forced, which is, which is a blessing in disguise. You know, it actually like forces you to have a bit of time to reflect. Yeah. I I think that makes a a lot of sense. Uh, Just getting, getting that personal time, getting that alone time rather than, you know, a few minutes to yourself after you get your medal to, to reflect on it. But like two weeks of just, all right, let's just let this sink in. Let's process it. And then we can move on with life. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And for anyone that does, people probably find this quite funny, but like you're like, you get your medal. And then if you're like, I, I'm like, I don't trust myself with it. I don't want to put it in my room in case someone comes in. So I just gave it straight to the manager. Like I didn't see it for a couple of days and like they put it in like a safe in the, in our headquarters. So it was like, it was like, oh, it was kind of just like literally just passing it off. Like it was so quick. It's just, yeah. And this a hundred percent definitely is, is such a great period. Like, looking back I think it will be a great period like I hope anyway (laughs) fingers crossed uh well Zach I appreciate you taking the time out of your quarantine to to sit down and chat today uh it's 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 been great getting your perspective on on this Olympic experience uh any any parting thoughts before we sign off no I think I think I've said a lot of what I've what I need to say and I think um yeah I'm, I'm excited for the future and still hungry for it i think that's that's probably what i leave with and yeah thanks for having me you've been listening to the swim swam podcast stay tuned for new episodes every week you can take swim swam podcast on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform look for links in the description below And be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.